everybody. Welcome back to the Brando and Joe podcast. Our guest today is Alexandra Bishop. She is currently receiving her master's degree in IO psychology from Baruch College, is also the president of Baruch College's IO psychology student association, and works at Con Resnick in their people and culture division. Welcome, Alexandra. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Super excited to be here. I feel like I'm in the presence of like IO royalty, two presidents. I'm just like <laughs> yeah. a like a, a lowly IO psychology peasant, you know, learning <laughs> from the best. <laughs> but we are we are excited to have you on today and uh, talk a little about your experience at Baruch. Um, we always love having students on because we get to talk about the difference in like our two programs. Um, yeah. So I guess to get us started. Uh, how has your time been at Baruch? I know you're graduating this upcoming May as well, right? Yep. Yeah. So I've been taking, it'll be two and a half years total that I'm taking to complete the program. Um, so I'll be graduating this spring, which is really exciting. Um, I can kind of talk a bit about why I chose Baruch. I think um, there are a lot of programs around New York. So it's kind of interesting trying to figure out the differences between them all. Um, so Baruch is a Master of Science program, which is pretty unique. I think a lot of IO masters are master of arts. So Baruch is taught, most of the master's classes are taught by PhDs and folks that work in the PhD department, which is unique. Um, And then the master of science, I think, is awarded because we are required to take more science-based courses. So we have to take statistics, we have to take research methods, and we have to do a year-long group thesis at the end. So I think it's kind of neat because I don't know, just getting to have more of a science-based background, but still have the applied focus. Most people end up going into the workforce after the master's program. Um, And then the other unique thing, um, I'm not sure about the other programs around the city, but I think Hofstra has classes during the day, but Baruch classes are only 6 to 9 p.m. at night throughout the weekdays. So it's specifically for people that are working since it's, you know, IO is the psychology of people in the workplace. So it kind of works out. Um, so a lot of people are working full time or part time or doing internships. And because of that, there are a ton of different people in the program. So I feel like every time I go into a new class, the class is just such a different variety of people. There's some folks that just graduated undergrad. There's some people like me that had a career change a few years after graduating. Um, There are people with kids that have had a full career and are trying to implement IO into what they do. Um, There's a really wide diverse of, you know, background, age, race, gender. I just feel like there's so many different cool people every time I go to class. Yeah, so I just feel like Baruch is kind of a unique program in the Master of Science route, and then also just really great if you're a working person. Even if you're only doing part-time, just being able to only do class in the evenings is uh, super helpful and I think kind of unique. One thing that is great, Alexandra, about like getting to chat with people from other programs, I know Joe and I were lucky to have Casey on here. Uh, she was one of our first guess ever uh but to kind of like talk about the different programs and all the different people you get to meet Baruch's program is a lot larger as you kind of spoke to um with that experience like how has that been where it's you're meeting new students in the io world but also you're meeting people outside of io because you kind of talk to like the diverse student population that you have like what has that been like for you 
Yeah, definitely. I think there are pros and cons to that. So, you know, you don't necessarily come in with a cohort that you have classes with over and over again throughout your time there. So the con I would say is sometimes there are people that have been in the program through the same time as you, but you never really meet or get to know. But the pro is you get to meet so many different people. You can do, you know, group projects through different classes with different people. Um, And then I think towards the end of the program, some people kind of find their people throughout Baruch that were really instrumental in their time there. So for me, um, one of my uh, biggest folks in the program that I'm close with is Dominique, who's my current VP of the association. And she and I uniquely started in the spring semester, both taking two and a half years while working. Um, So she and I kind of became close and then we've met different people throughout the program. Um, There's some people that, you know, are there was a guy in my first class that has, I think, a master's degree in MBA, and now this is his third master's he's doing, and I got to work on a project um, with him, and so I got to learn a lot about his background, but then I've worked with people on projects or met people in class that just graduated undergrad and don't even know much about IO, but were really interested in it, so yeah, kind of pros and cons to the size of our program and how it's formatted. I think sometimes Um, If you're really looking to just do a master's degree and just get close with your cohort and maybe you're not working that much, might not be the best program for just your lifestyle, what you're looking for. But if you're really looking to meet a lot of different people, um, have different people in every class you take, like you might take a class with someone and never take a class with them again, or you might end up in class with them three times, um, then yeah, it's definitely a really good opportunity for just meeting such a wide variety of people throughout your time. Yeah, it's a really cool environment that Baruch puts you guys in. I like the idea. Yeah. I didn't even catch it that it was an MS and not an MA. Um, yeah. And it's just like that slight emphasis on the more science part, which now that I think about it, the way the the field is going towards that more like people analytics, statistics, numbers side, I feel like we're seeing a lot more. Um, yep. That's a really big advantage that you guys will have on just the, the population in general, because you'll have that knowledge. Yeah. When you... And just so I'm correct, you guys pick your own classes, right? Like I'm guessing there's like core class that you have to take, but there's some things that you get to pick. Yeah. So that's another really cool thing that I love about the program. So you have to take statistics and research methods, and then you have to take kind of a personnel, I focus class, and then an O focus class. And once you're done those four, you can really pick any electives throughout the rest of your time besides doing your thesis. So if you're someone that you really, you know, you want to go into the eye focus stuff and you want to do coaching and selection, you can take those classes. If you're really just focused on the O side, you can take org change, org development. Um, There's so many different options. So for me, I was kind of trying to tap into different things that either one, I was interested in or two, applied to what I do in people and culture, people up. So I was really interested in leadership development. So I got to take that. I got to take coaching. Um, I got to take HR analytics, which was just something I didn't even know much about that I'm so glad I got the experience on. So I think it's really nice because you can tailor it to exactly what you're looking for and what you want to graduate with. Of course, you can't take every class. So I'm graduating and I'm thinking about all the classes I wish I could have taken. Um, But at least you have that option. So nothing's strict there for you. You get the basis of IO, you get the basis of research and stats, and then kind of figure out what you want to do with it from there. You know, it's interesting. There were a few things you said, I want to transition to your career after this. But um, when you were talking about the different demographics of people that you could take these classes with, 
one thought that came to mind of like a huge strength. And I wanted to see if this is actually true in practice is that you're working with people who might not necessarily have IO degrees or IO background on maybe a class project or something along those lines, which is probably a lot more similar to the workforce that you would be working with, like at any other time in your career. Like, is that something that you've seen that's been beneficial for you too? Yeah, I think what, again, what's cool about having so many different people in the classes is there might be someone that has worked in HR for a few years, is really IO focused, or, you know, I'm doing my thesis and one person on my thesis group team works at Deloitte as a consultant. So, you know, she knows a lot about, she applies IO knowledge and practices to everything she does day to day. Um, But then there are some people that just graduated undergrad, don't know much about it. Um, And I think that really does overlap with the workforce because I've only worked in small companies so far. And um, even my last company, you know, when I started there, I don't think anyone working there knew what IO was, which I know is something, uh, you know, we all struggle with sometimes. But um, so trying to implement some of my IO knowledge or my skills or what I'm learning in class can take a little longer to explain because the people I'm working with, you know, don't necessarily understand what the purpose of IO is, how you can implement those into your strategies. Um, So yeah, working with so many different people on different group projects, which we do a lot in the program um, for sure applies to the experience of working with, you know, a lot of different people just in the workplace. No, that's really cool. Um, And I know you brought up working on your, your thesis is that how is that process going? I'm always interested because yeah. as we've talked about it before at Hofstra. We just do, well, we have the option, but I don't know if anyone's ever taken the option to take a thesis. We do have like a mandatory internship instead. Um, is it like hard? <laughs> or, like yeah, how is that? Yeah. How is that going? <laughs> no, good, good question. So um, I think it really depends on your experience your skills and who your group is. So what they do is they basically send out a form where we pick what days of the week or nights of the week work for us. And then what professors we'd like as our advisor, we fill all that out. And then they basically try and give you your first or second choice if they can. And then maybe six, seven, eight students are that night. And then you're split into two groups. That's generally how it works. And then you have one thesis advisor. So I went into an evening class with an advisor. There were eight of us. And then we were split into two groups of four based on our interests. So we kind of told her what all our interests were. And she tried to match us. Um, I was lucky enough that I love my thesis group. We all work together really well. The first meeting we had, I kind of said, before we even try and figure out what our topic is, can we all talk about what our strengths and weaknesses are? Because, you know, if one of us, like I love project management, I'm, I'm a big organizer and the other three, that's not something they like to do. So that was perfect. I said, you know, I'll make the project board. I'll organize all our notes um, and our responsibilities and everything. Someone else, the Deloitte consultant, right? She loves stats. So she'll be doing the stats portion. Um, I actually did a thesis in undergrad, an individual thesis. So I'm super familiar with all of it. It basically runs the exact same way. So I did the IRB proposal because I've done it before. So it was just, um, yeah, really unique doing a group thesis and it is required. So if you're someone that hates research, it's not necessarily um, maybe like the program you should do because it is, you know, a a year long group thesis. Um, And then kind of depends on the group you get, you know, if you do have a group where 
all of you have the same weakness or something or none of you like stats you know it just kind of is um just you know luck of the draw sometimes um but uh it definitely is tough it's more work than a class so i was taking um i did kind of a full course load this past fall with thesis two classes and then full-time job um and the thesis definitely took more time than a class it was kind of like taking four classes um but it's really rewarding i mean i love it i know some people just try and get it over with to graduate but you get to develop your completely own topic so no one's telling you what research you know you should extend off of no one's telling you the topic you have to do you and your group come up with the research you want to do you develop the survey yourself you launch the survey to students and working adults you get to do all the analysis and write the whole thesis so just my nerd side kind of loves that i think it's really interesting and then having a group to help um has been really just really cool because i know how i've done the individual thesis before and it's just nice that you know i've done the whole irb um, i wrote the method section and now i can kind of sit back while someone else is working on the intro you know you're not responsible for the entire project so um yeah definitely unique being able to do a thesis versus like an applied project or i think you all take um comp exams so yeah -hmm. yeah, a little different yeah and shout out as well if i remember correctly your uh, thesis advisor is harold right no he doesn't he unfortunately doesn't advise theses um yeah he's a busy guy (laughs) so i do have him as my selection um staffing professor though so i've been able to have him as a professor which is everyone's goal if possible through the program um such a great guy we love him so (laughs) awesome um and i've had the pleasure of working with him kind of closely as being the president of the student association so um yeah we have some really great folks leading the program Special shout out to Harold and for our listeners, um, go find that episode. Joe and I loved that one and we get to see him a lot. That was Um, an amazing one. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so it sounds like you get a lot of experience, like just speaking to the work you got to do in your thesis or in your program, whether that's project management or so many other things that other avenues that you get to practice. Um, Now transitioning more to like the work you do. Uh, maybe like working in that culture, people operations space. Uh, how much have you seen the translation from like the education you're receiving to the work you're doing? Like, is it a one to one? What what do you what have you seen in your experience? Yeah, so I think it's interesting because um, we would be ignorant to ignore the fact that HR overlaps a lot with IO. Um, you know. Everything I do day to day kind of applies something I've learned within the program, but it's not necessarily where you're specialized. So, for example, um, you know, I know someone in the program that's working on a very specific in a very specific job on a very specific project, implementing competency modeling into their you know workplace. I don't necessarily get to do those super specialized IO things that are really really interesting because I have more of a generalist role. So I kind of get to implement it. I would say I really use my IO knowledge in every everything I do with my intention. So, you know, when I do employee engagement initiatives or when I create feedback surveys or when I'm, you know, working on performance management or selection processes, I'm not necessarily focusing on one thing all day, you know, how would an IO consultant do this, but I get to work in everything we've learned 
in my intention on, you know, how to create the process, how to improve the process, um, you know, when developing a feedback survey, you know, what should that look like? What's the appropriate way to create it? So I do think I, I kind of have an advantage in that sense. I get to use so much of that IO knowledge in what I do day to day. Um, but the disadvantage is I don't necessarily get to dive deep into one thing, um, which is why, you know, consultants probably really enjoy using their IO knowledge because they can work on one project on retention. Um, but, you know, my day to day is how do I how do I maintain or increase retention in every little thing I do in my role? Um, so it's kind of a, a different approach to using the IO degree because um, I really do more of a, a generalist role where I'm working on everything you can think of across people, culture, HR. Um, but I have loved being able to use what I've learned in it. And then I just think it kind of enhances your skill set and what you bring like exponentially to HR people. No, absolutely. Um, in your current or like even or even your past positions, um, when you try to bring those IO principles in, have you found is there like something that you see you're like, oh, if I say it this way, like they're more accepting of like IO principles? Because I, I feel like a lot of people in IO programs have come through this where they're like, I want to share what I've learned, but um, it's hard. They might not be as accepting of like these ways like, no, we, we know how what we're doing. Like this is the way we're going to do it. Yeah, I think that goes a lot into the science practitioner gap, which I may uh, love to discuss because I think it is large. And um, I think people struggle to admit that it, it really is a large gap. And then especially if you're taking your IO knowledge into just the general applied workplace, you can't be throwing out all these terms, trying to sound super IO educated, right? You know, talking about job analysis or like, it, let's say we're just talking about staffing and selection, you know, job analysis and competency modeling and leveling frameworks. Some people just don't even know, maybe they've heard those terms, but they don't know exactly what they mean. So you kind of have to phrase things in um, just a more general way that anybody, colloquial way that anybody's going to understand and a bit more businessy. And then also more so into the benefits of it. So instead of, you know, explaining every single thing that goes into some IO concept, it's more so like, how do you implement it? What's the benefit of it? And how does it impact the business? How does it increase ROI? That's really what they care about. Um, so it's kind of been interesting trying to not walk into the workplace and talk about, you know, what did I learn in my you know, what's succession planning, but more so, you know, what are ways that we currently do our manager development and training that we can implement, um, you know, growth, like growth frameworks or something like that. You kind of have to to spin what you learn into more day-to-day um, -day terms. Yeah, I, I know I can speak a little bit to that with the consulting experience and just trying to work in the basic practices on a day-to-day -day basis while also still maintaining like a standard that's accepted by, in my case, it's the client, in your case, it's the company, because mm -hmm. you have to make sure you're adhering to what they want and what they're looking for. Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting, like when you talk about the gap in that aspect too. And for you, Alexandra, in your program, you're learning a lot about the science side. So you're like learning the data, creating a thesis and try to test that and see what standards are seen across the board. Are you kind of seeing that that gap seems even larger the more knowledge you've 
built around like being doing a thesis and how to construct like an actual like statistically valid test. Yeah, I think um, especially reading all of the past research, right, you have to do your introduction of the thesis. So you have to look into a lot of the past research. Some research is done from consulting companies or, um, you know, like Deloitte does their own research. So that stuff, I think, is pretty applicable. But, um, you know, when you're in the workplace, I don't necessarily log on in the morning and go, hmm, how do I develop this initiative based on IO research and then go onto Google Scholar and search it? <laughs> you really are kind of basing it off of your experience or what the leadership is asking you to do. Um you know, a lot of more so like personal experiences and I don't know, personal opinions or what, you know, what you think will work. Um, so in terms of the workplace, it's just, it's really unfortunate because I've done, I've done research for years now, both in clinical psych and now IO. And there are just so many things you can learn from research and so many things that have been, you know, statistically shown or statistically significant that no one in the workplace knows or is going to look up unless it's a headline of some, you know, pop culture article um, or something on like, you know, Harvard Business Review that gets out in the company, you know, or in a webinar. Um, but there, it's just, yeah, I just find it really interesting that there are things that we even talk about in the workplace, like, um, like building goals, goal framework. And I remember I was discussing it with some colleagues and I said, oh, there's so much research behind this. But they were kind of just thinking, oh, yeah, it's just something to do, something a lot of people do in a company. Um, and I was like, well, you could look up, <laughs> you could look up a lot of the past research about it. And that could probably point you in the right direction of what to do. But it's just not something that regular working people look towards. Um, and then I think on the flip side, a lot of PhDs maybe haven't worked just as a regular employee in the workplace. Um, and that is a disadvantage because you don't know what it's like to just work with, you know, regular business people or people with MBAs or leadership. You're really only focused on research. You know so much. And I think I've met a lot of researchers that just kind of assume that we apply all of those things in the workplace because they haven't necessarily worked yet. Maybe they got a PhD and just did consulting. And if you're doing consulting, people are hiring you and want you to do those things, which is not <laughs> necessarily the case everywhere. Um, so that's kind of why I'm a big, I don't know, a big proponent of really speaking about the science practitioner gap because I'm being taught by PhDs. I meet a lot of PhDs, but then all of us are going into the regular workplace and just applying it. And from both sides, we have to understand, like, what are we doing? What's the work we're doing? And how do we, I don't know, try and, yeah, kind of bridge that gap as much as possible. That's really, it should be a goal of everyone within the IO field. No, you're right. It's definitely such like a, a real thing. And hopefully with IO growing as a field in general, because um, I feel like there's like things like clinical psychology and school psychology, which are already so established. And mm -hmm. when the research comes out about that, it's more, I could be wrong, but maybe it's more easily applied because like, it's like known and like, it's just like a, a thing. But with biopsychology, it's like research coming out of biopsychology. First of all, what is biopsychology? And then like, now right. we're going to follow this research. So hopefully maybe with the growing field, like it becomes more applicable. Um, this sure. is just like a curiosity question. I wonder if people coming from uh, like a PSYOP or a Metro and bringing back research from those events 
how that is perceived by like certain companies. Cause I know some people will be like, Oh, my company's paying me to go to PSYOP and maybe I'll learn something and bring it back. Uh, I'm just curious what you think about that. Is that like, do you think that works or do you think they come back from these events and they're like, I don't really care what you learned, like get back to work. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, because I went to PSYOP for the first time in 2020. Three, um, and again at my previous company, not a lot of people knew what IO was. I had to explain what PSYOP was, what I was going for. Um, it wasn't funded, but I, you know, obviously still went. And I came back, and I was like, okay, how? Like, what's a great way to show all the different things I learned at this conference for my manager to understand how it applies to what we do? So I actually worked on a whole presentation of like all the sessions I went to. Um, different, you know, main things I learned at each of them and then kind of theoretically in an ideal world, how that would be applied to what we do at work. So, you know, I was like, okay, I went to this, um, diversity and leadership session and that could be applied here in what we do by blank. Um, so I got the chance to just, I just kind of asked my manager if she'd sit with me for a half hour and I could tell her all the things I learned and just kind of even just a way to show that, like everything within IO can apply to what we do. It was kind of a way for me to try and prove that and show it in a tangible way. So, you know, I really went to, yeah. yeah, I went to a session um, on like onboarding and I do a ton of onboarding. So, uh, and I think it was led by people at Google and Amazon. And so I was trying to show her, you know, these, these leaders at these big companies that are doing applied work. I went to a whole session on onboarding and, that completely overlaps with what we do. So it was it was a nice way to just show like what is IO, what are these sessions I went to at this conference that you understand how it can be applied to the work we do. Yeah, that I love that idea of like going and presenting it to leadership and kind of showing the value. It's mm -hmm. kind of a, a testament to you being someone who goes above and beyond and a perfect segue into another initiative that you and I both actually started together, um, the Psionic Initiative, which yeah. is like uh, an organization that you and I started for students. Um, we wanted you to kind of speak to what your experience has been with that so far and any like potential future plans. I mean, obviously, I know what our future plans are, too. <laughs> yeah. but, but like For me. <laughs> but, but so we can inform Joe, yeah. <laughs> kind of tell him what we're thinking about doing and just kind of how that experience has been for you so far as someone yeah. who's super, super driven. Definitely. So, um, well, firstly, I am. So I'm the president of the MSIO Student Association at Baruch, which is basically a board of students that try to enhance what grad students in the IO program, you know, what their experience is. So we're a bit different because we're a state school. So we're not necessarily going to get all of the private school perks per se, or have a program that's super focused on, you know, giving us um, professional development things every single day. So our association gets to try and create a lot of those. So we create, you know, social events, um, professional development events. So I really work for the board every single day. I'm always doing stuff for it. Um, and last year we were really trying to, I was on the board last year as the project management lead. Um, we were trying to find ways to kind of connect with other programs in the city because, you know, there are so many great IO people, not just at our one program. Um, so we did a picnic with Hofstra last year, which was really fun, just getting to meet other students in the city. 
And then we also did a social, it's called a pre-PSYOP social. So it was before PSYOP trying to invite other people from other programs to chat, mingle. So you have a familiar face when you go to the conference. So this year, um, when I became president and my VP and I, Dominique, we really wanted to figure out ways to connect with all other programs. There are just so many of us to network with that have all different backgrounds and we're all studying IO in master's programs. Um, and so we were thinking about ways to, you know, enhance that initiative. And then ironically, Brandon uh, reached out and talked about the idea of making it more of an official board so that it was not just kind of a year by year, the board of each school is trying to figure out how to connect, but an organized organization that uh, lasts year to year. So we kind of made it so that every president from every program and or anyone else on their board is on our board. Um, we worked through some names. We came up with Psionic, which is um, Students of IO NYC. A bunch of different schools that all have IO. Yeah, all of IO programs across the New York City area. Um, we've been able to all meet together and discuss the initiative. Uh, we did get to host our first social this fall, um, and it was super successful. I know Brennan and I were really, really happy with it. I think throughout the few hours, about 60 students showed up, which was pretty crazy because even with our Baruch events, you know, we're excited if 10 Baruch people show up to our social event or 15. And so standing there and seeing 60 IO students show up to this picnic in the middle of Central Park, like actually on a weekend, like wanting to come and network was just so fulfilling and really cool to see. Um, so yeah, so moving forward, we're really trying to organize the board more of Psionic, try and figure out a way to make it so that everyone on the board has equal say, um, you know, equal decision making, but still, how are we going to organize all of our <laughs> purposes and our initiatives? Um, and then, yeah, in the spring, really looking forward to trying to do some sort of graduation event, um, maybe more professional development things like a student panel about each program or research presentations if you're doing research in your program. So um, it's a really, really, really cool organization that I'm hoping can be passed down uh, indefinitely now so that every next president of every program can join and lead um, and really just build this kind of metro-like metro student organization in the city. It was so funny uh, that you and Dominique were having those conversations about professional development because I know Amanda and I were sitting who Amanda for our listeners who are not listening is uh our VP at Hofstra and also helps us with the social media shout out to Amanda and Julia uh but we uh we were Amanda and I were talking and we were saying how we loved the event that we got to do with Baruch in Central Park and just being students and getting IOs together is such a such a strong thing to have. And it felt like it was something that we should have for a lot more programs. And so, uh, Alexandra, we were speaking about PSYOP earlier, and you and I really got to talk about it a little more at PSYOP for a, a brief second. And um, so then when Amanda and I were in our positions this year, it was an easy phone call. It was like, hey, Alexandra, like, you ready to make this happen? Uh, but I remember those those events, and they are always really great. Uh, getting these students together. I just wanted to highlight that. I mean, we we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all the the great 
uh, presidents of each program helping presidents and VPs helping us out through this process. So I just wanted to highlight that and say that yeah. it's been fun working with you throughout this process too. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, likewise. You guys, I've, you guys really made something like incredible. Like I can really see it over the next 10 years because it's with all the networking that we say like is important. Um, and then you think about it, like, how has this not been a thing yet? It's so, you know, yeah. not simple because it's definitely taken such a, like a ton of hard work. Um, but like you would think that this was have already been created, but it hasn't been. And I feel like I could really see in the next like 10, 15 years, this create like such a community because I bet you guys will, will all still go to psionic events even after we mm-hmm. graduate. Mm-hmm. And this kind of young professional, early career students looking what to do. Um, I'm very excited to see what you guys have planned in store. As yeah. a, uh, I have no knowledge. Brandon doesn't tell me anything. So I'm, I'm a... <laughs> that's why we brought her up. I'm, I know nothing, just like everyone else. <laughs> I would love for this to be, you know, when you go into IO in New York, you learn about Metro and then everyone tries to go to Metro events and you join. I would love for that to be, you go into IO master's degree and you learn about Metro and Psionic and then you join both. Like it's just, Hey, have you heard of Psionic? Have you heard of Metro? Let's go to those events. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for it. And, you know, we've only just started, we've only kind of trying to build the the seed and then hopefully over the next many years someone can really grow the tree and uh just make it like a really awesome organization i don't even know where it could go i'm sure there's so many ideas that of things that could happen with the program that we don't even know about yet um so yeah really excited really glad brandon and i were able to to work on this so far together it's been it's been a really fun process and you know on our podcast, we've been able to highlight a lot of, I guess, every time someone comes on here, we always ask them for advice. And we're going to get to that from you in a second, Alexandra. But uh, when they come on here, I, I would like to say, Joe, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's got to be 50% of the time networking's mentioned, at least, right? Mm-hmm. Like- it has, yeah, it's one <laughs> of the most important things. Um, you can't get through the realm of IO without meeting new people and finding out like what they do. <laughs> Yeah. So it's so important. Like it plays such an integral role in the way people are going to not just be successful, but even just learn. Because I feel like I've learned more from Metro events or just from discussions with other colleagues at other programs. So the idea of networking is so important. And like whether you're in New York or anywhere else, like trying to find those IOs from around would be is just such a great opportunity. Uh, Alexandra, now uh, we want to ask you, as I said, the same question that we ask all of our guests and it's kind of that piece of advice or any advice that you have for prospective IO students or like early career IOs who are trying to like figure out what they want to do with their careers. Like what advice do you have for them? Yeah, definitely. So I think as a prospective IO, I mean, a lot of people come into this, not knowing it necessarily an undergrad or having that as their career choice when they're 18. Um, I did have a major career switch. I was going to get my PhD in clinical psych. That was my whole plan. I did years of work around it um, and then changed my mind and chose IO through a lot of different uh, reasons. Um, I feel like, especially when choosing a program um, or a path, whether it's master's or PhD um, or which school to go to, you really have to think about like what you want to get out of it and what potentially you'd want to do with it. So I don't think you need a PhD if you really just want to go work in the workforce or go to HR or a specific role like L&D. So, you know, that might tell you, okay, I need a master's and then choosing a program, right? Like, do you 
are you right out of undergrad and you really just want to focus on school for two years and that's all you want to do, then you can find a program that offers day classes and has a strong cohort. Um, but if you're someone like me where you were already working full time and wanted to pursue a master's, I found a program that, you know, only had evening classes and that was the core part of the program. Um, and then also just, you know, like what you want to get out of it, what type of school. Um, I went to a pr private liberal arts school for undergrad. So going to a state school for master's was a bit of a, you know, just a bit of a change, but um, I've loved it. You know, I was looking at the different programs, like, of course, NYU and Hofstra compared to Baruch. And um, with in-state tuition, Baruch is really affordable for especially the quality of education you're getting. And since I wanted good quality education, but still wanted to work full time, it's not like going to school every day was my only focus and only goal. So being able to save some of that money, but still get a great education was really important to me. Um, so I think just really thinking about, I think I'm talking specifically about like when you're picking a program or what school, just what do you want to get out of it? What is your day to day? What are your values? You know, would you rather have, um, kind of that private school feel where you really get that strong cohort, um, but maybe costs a bit more, or would you rather, you know, do kind of the state school route evening classes, um, you know, Master of Science versus Master of Arts? Are you interested in research? Would you hate doing a thesis? I just think really thinking about those things. I did a lot of research as well before picking a program um, and really just solely applied and picked Baruch in the end. Um, so yeah, I think that's just so that you don't kind of randomly apply to programs and randomly pick one and then realize one semester in that you wish that you had gone somewhere else that would have been better for you. Um, and then from there, you know, whatever your program provides, you can kind of see your path. Just be really open to anything that comes your way. Like don't, don't think you only have one interest and stick to that, like really explore different classes. Um, I think, I don't know, a lot of IO people end up doing random things they never thought they'd do. So um, just being, having a really open mind through the process too. It's amazing advice, um, especially the part about picking what's right for you. Cause it's easy to just be like, oh, I want a master's degree. Um, uh, oh, this school is accepting applications. I'll, I'll go here. Yeah. Um, and there are so many different programs. And I wouldn't generally say that one's better than the other. They just offer different things. Like what we were exactly. highlighting, internship, thesis, MA versus MS. Um, it is an important aspect that you keep in mind. Um, and I also want to highlight what you said about the career change or degree change, whatever. Um, I was like you, I was coming from clinical psychology and I had all those experiences. I was like, oh, I did all this. And then, you know, you go to IO psychology and you're like, oh, wait, like, none of that matters anymore. That's the thoughts that I was going through my head. And then you got to kind of like alter your perspective and be like, there's always transferable skills in what you did. For um, sure. And because it's easy just to be like, oh, now I have to start from scratch. But if you can use that network that you met, um, and I remember I was doing an internship for something in school psych and clinical psych, but, and I told him, and I was like, listen, I don't think I'm gonna go down this route. Do you know anyone in the IO psych space? And he was like, oh, of course. And then he connected me, um, so sometimes a career change can be daunting, but it's, uh, there's always that like, you know, piece or that light that you can pick from. Uh, oh, so definitely. Incredible advice. Yeah. Yeah. There was someone from my undergrad that, uh, was actually connecting me more in the clinical psych route, you know, introducing me to different people in the research field for after I graduated. And, uh, then lo and behold, she's getting her PhD in IO and she was the one to explain to me what IO is. And it's just funny. Like I knew her through college and 
the psych degree, didn't even know what Iowa was. And now I kind of give her credit to me coming into IO because without her explanation or introducing it, I probably wouldn't have learned about it at the exact right time in my life. So there's all, there's always ways. I just feel like life and your career just kind of happen as they should. And all your experience, whether or not it's directly relatable to what you do now has built who you are and your different skills. Um, you know, if you, a lot of people go from clinical psych to IO, and that means that maybe we're more empathetic, understanding listeners, we're active listeners, and all that goes into what you do in the workplace. So um, yeah, I'm just super into being able to apply <laughs> what you did before into what you do now. It's great. No, I, th- I think that was all really well said. And I mean, super credible source coming from you as well. Like you've had a lot of early career success, even with a career change. So like, that's a testament to your work ethic. And like, I think that our listeners should definitely hear this advice and use it for themselves because what, like I, I get to work with you and I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it speaks to your ability to utilize the experience that you've had from like that clinical route and taking the knowledge and how you've built off of it. It's been, it's been awesome to see. I'm excited to see where you go in your career. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on, Alexandra. Uh, it, it really was a great episode. I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Yep. That was so great. I always love getting to talk with Alexandra. Uh, it's always a pleasure to get to speak with her, work with her. She's she's so established for her career. And like we're all in somewhat the same part or same timing in our career. And for her to be like sound like she's been working for ten years longer than us, it's crazy. <laughs> no, I, it, it's always great to talk to students, especially ones as driven as Alexandra, um, because they just have so much passion behind what they currently do and their future opportunities. Um, A, she's just a great person to network with. Um, and B, I'm excited to see what she's what she ends up doing in the future. Um, and I want to bring up Psionic again, because I just think it's such an incredible thing for students that you guys have put together. Yeah. And like, we've, we've been able to kind of bring that kind of thing full circle from the workings of it in the past, but to kind of start it up from the scratch, from scratch and make it happen. Um, you know, it's, it's just fun. And I, because she was such a great guest on our podcast, she's just been so such a pleasure to work with. And um, in general, you know, I think for our people out there listening, it's, it's a testament to finding the right people to work with, like you and I, Joe, get to do this podcast. And we always enjoy it. Alexandra, Amanda, and I and a few others on the board get to do psionic, like, good things happen when you work with good people. No, yeah, I'm I'm laughing because I just, we meet all these incredible students and then I just think of like us as just like these like podcast guys <laughs> and we're just like living vicariously through them. Like, of course we're driven, but it's just nah. a little antidote for the end of the episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Um, Alexandra's info will be in the description, of course. So if you have any questions about her experience in this field, feel free to reach out um, and we will see you guys next Friday. Yep. See you guys next week. Thank <laughs> you.